You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live. Next, featuring intimate and in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood's next edition of Stars and Influencers. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, next... Hello, as always, happy Friday, ready for the weekend. Welcome to Black Hollywood Live Next. I'm Jessica King, and I'm also the producer of Fox's hit show, Dish Nation, and I'm going to keep saying that. <laughs> keep on watching. And I'm joined by Nick Purdue. Introduce yourself. Who is not the producer of uh, Dish Nation, <laughs> but watch. What's up, guys? There you go. Uh, we have a great guest today. We're very excited to introduce Melvin Jackson Jr. Hello. Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Well, <laughs> here, man. Happy to be alive. Yo, you're shining. I see. I see. I'm trying. 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 i um, you lived in Pakistan and Turkey as a child. Yes. What? What? Why did you move to these countries? Well, I was um, a mercenary as a child inside. Now, um, <laughs> no, my parents. Uh, my mom lived uh, worked for the government, so um, as a child, I was able to you know go overseas and live over there for eight and a half years altogether. And it was just a great experience, you know, as a child to be able to see different cultures, um, interact with different people, and, and just have a different mindset on how how blessed we are as Americans. You know, they want to comes come to America so bad they like you know it's it's just this is a blessing you know you see people washing up and drinking the same water that they everything that they're doing is in the same water washing up taking you know and they're drinking that water and it's just like man we're so blessed to just have the little things that we take for granted so mm-hmm. I think as a kid it really opened my eyes up to a lot of things as an adult so now I can carry that that on with me so as a kid, how was it living in those countries? Oh, it was beautiful. It was great. Um, I learned a lot of language. Of course, you usually learn the bad words first. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'm still friends with some of those people now. Like, you know, we interact and still stay in touch with them, even from Pakistan on to Turkey. And it's just amazing how no matter, you know, how long you've been apart from each other, when you get together and you tell the stories, it's kind of like you never left. Mm-hmm. Because no one can sh- understand the stories that we have because we were there. So it's like we have our own little pack. Right. Um, so it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So you think um, living there has shaped how you are today, who you are today? Yes, it has, because it, it teaches me not to just be able to deal with af- my African-American people, but also white, Chinese, all, all races, and not just be, you know, sometimes when you're in a different, um, you know, neighborhood, or you just around your people, that's all you know. So when you step outside, of, you don't know how to interact with people, you don't know how to talk, you don't know how to, you know, just be professional. And I think it just shaped me to be an uh, uh, international mogul in a sense to where now I can interact with different people and mm-hmm. be on their level and not, you know, try to act like I, I know something that I don't. Right. You know? <clears throat> Do you think a lot of people, Americans today, have like a preconceived notion of the Middle East? Yeah, I think they do. Um, I think after, you know, 9-11 and everything like that, they kind of kind of dampered on, on that a little bit. And it's not all that, you know. Those people are, you know, just the same as we are. They love, you know, what they believe in, but they have stronger beliefs than sometimes than we do. And they, they do things that's right in them, not in our eyes, but in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we're all human beings. We're all different. We're not going to think the same. 
but you know, in some some instances, there has to be a cause and effect, and that was one of those things that you know happened, unfortunately. But um, it doesn't change my view on those people because I've been around them, I grew up with them, so mm-hmm. I still love them, just like you know, because I love them as individuals. Not it's not a whole, but you know, as individuals as I know them, that's all I can do. Right. <clears throat> How? What are some of the biggest differences to you that stick out? of living in the U.S. as opposed to living in the Middle East? Things are cheaper over there. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a lot of things very cheap there, and it's like they come, you, you bring it here, and they just rake it up. It's crazy when I go in stores and I see clothes that says made in Pakistan or made in, you know, most of them is made in Pakistan or India or something like that, and it's just like 40 50 bucks. I'm like, I can get it for $2 back then. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to give me a flight real quick, right. and I'm going to rack up. And, you know, so it's one of those things. You can get jewelry cheap. You can get suits. And just seeing that stuff made. Like, I, I, as a kid, I used to watch furniture being made. I used mm-hmm. to watch suits being made. And just to see the beginning and end process as a child, I was like, wow. Like, it was really crazy. So you really, when you look at things, you're like, man, it took these many people to – this one table right here took 20 people to, to make it. Mm-hmm. And you appreciate things a little bit better when you can actually see how things are made, you know. So, Do you ever make it back at all to visit? <clears throat> no, I haven't. I, I need to. I haven't been overseas in 97. So I got my passport, so I just got to get it stamped um, mm-hmm. again as an adult. So I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> there you go. And so now you... Uh, you claim D.C., Chocolate City, yes, yes, right? yes. as your hometown. Yes. You know, you, you went to a Bowie State University. Yes. Okay. And so your goal is to be, you know, well-known businessman. Correct. Right? So why is that important to you? I believe um, being a great businessman, um, it helps you to get to the points that you want to be. It's like I can't be a good actor or a good comedian or anything without having the business mind that I have first. Mm. Because if you sign bad contracts or you sign bad deals, you're going to be known, but you're going to be broke. Yeah. So I feel like as a businessman, I can shape who people see me as. And I want them to see me as a brand and not just as as a product, you know, where it's like, you know, you have your Coca-Cola, you have your Sprites. I want to be right up there with them and not just say, oh, Melvin Jackson, do another actor, you know, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. I'm like, no, the brand, this is what you get when you get me. Right. So I just try to give the whole package. There you go. And because you, you also said, you know, the importance of being, being a businessman is that, you know, you want to be a, a man first. You know, it's, yeah, you want to be a businessman first and an entertainer second. Right. So, you know, kind of like, like, like what is the the, real, the message behind that motto? Just because um, I, I came in this business when I was 18, and you have to, you, I came in as a manager, a managing artist, and, you know, I'm managing people older than me, but they have to believe in me. Mm. So if my business is not in order, my paperwork is not in order, contracts, everything is not in order, they're not going to respect me yeah. as a person. So I had to step first, be a businessman first before I can even learn how to be an entertainer and appreciate it. Because I used to take it as a joke sometimes where I'm like, man, rappers, I can do that, go in there, just start freestyling. Yeah. Nah, <laughs> you got to put you got to put in the work. So yeah. I think sometimes as business people, we don't understand what the artists go through, so we have to maybe be both in the, mm. under, to understand it. So I appreciate both of them, and I respect them as the same, and I'm able to put them together. And when people see me, they're like, how did you get here? Being a businessman first has got me here because now I'm able to manage myself or manage you know, situations that I probably wouldn't have had the knowledge if I didn't take, take that businessman seriously first. You know, mm. And I see a lot of businessmen that are rich. Like I just found out that, uh, that we have the CEO of American Express is black. So I'm like, that's... That's that's whoa, that's encouragement for me. So I'm like, man, you know, and he just went from a place to where people didn't listen to him to now he's a CEO. Yeah. So it's all about if you're a great business minded person, you could do good in this business. You know, no matter if you have talent or not, it's people that don't have talent, but are great business people. That's true. So we're that's not going to name any people, but we, we all know, <laughs> but I respect them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so, so what, what, what made you, you know, pursue the arts, you know, because you, you say that, you know, a business is your first love. So kind of like what made you want to, you know, pursue arts as opposed to something a little more academic? Well, because, um, I mean, music was really my first love. Um, I always wanted to like to produce music. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I looked up to Puffy, like, oh man, you know, I want to be the next Puffy. So that was my love. And then I really started, you know, learning the aspect of, you know, the business. And then, um, I fell into acting by accident, because I didn't really never wanted to be an actor, but it was something that I happened to do. And when I did my first audition, I, I booked a part with no acting um, experience whatsoever. And I'm like, well, maybe God's sending me a sound. This is this is a gift, mm-hmm. you know, because some people can be taught something. But if you have a God-gifted talent, then it's just meant for you to do. And once I started doing it, I started loving it. So yeah. I started watching movies differently. So I don't watch movies for entertainment. I'm watching them learn. So I want to watch a movie. I'm like, dang, Denzel's doing it. How can I, how can I do right. this? How can, how can I implement these people but put myself in the middle of it? And that's how I started working to my chops as being an actor and just, just being good at it. Because you, know, you, know, you can be an actor but not good at it. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm my worst critic. I'd be like, ah, oh, I could have did better. Like, nah, you I'm like, nah. But that's just me pushing myself to the next limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had the mentality of, oh, man, I'm good. I don't need to go to acting class and this and that. But I had to think about it. I said, Michael Jordan, Kobe, Denzel, all these people continue to, to work on their craft to get mm-hmm. better. Even though they may be the greatest, you can always work on your craft to get better. So mm-hmm. why, why am I any different? So I had to humble myself. And that's when I really started just going, and going hard with it and, and pushing it um, you know, even, even harder with just being better. That's good. That's good. Look at this, though. We lived in in Pakistan, right? Because you uh, you're also a rapper, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm retired, <laughs> but I come out every now and then, you know. But okay, but okay. So you are a rapper now, because now we know Pakistan is totally different than than the U.S. Yes. So one, what was it like rapping in Pakistan? Did you rap in English? <laughs> and and then like like was the music different out there than it you know than it is out here? Well, it, it yes, it's different out there. They have their language that they you know speak it in. And um, when I went back then, when I was doing the entertainment, I was more so dancing. I mean, a uh, mm-hmm. buddy of mine, he was kind of like the Vanilla Ice. I was like the MC Hammer, um, nice. and we used to dance. So I didn't really rap at that point. Then I didn't start rapping until after when I started managing artists. Um, but I always loved the stage. So the stage is all you know, dancing and entertaining has always been a part of me mm-hmm. from day one since I was a kid. So when I started rapping. I, um, I just was doing like um, for fun, whatever, playing around with it. But then I really started like to say I'm gonna take it seriously because I saw how how people were real, you know, real with it. Like you go to underground circles and people were like, man, they'll kill you if you if you ain't doing it right. right. And like, man, you represent our, our culture wrong. So I had to respect it and really started like, man, I'm like writing is hard. Like, is that, <laughs> like I can freestyle and then like go back and write it. But writing is when you trying to do it, the beat and. It's, I, I commend them, man, because it's yeah. something that. But when I when I'm on stage, when I'm performing, I feel it, and I'm real with it. But I just said, if I'm not going to do it 110, percent I'm not going to do it at all. So you know, I go by Jay Reed. Um, so I had I had my moment, you know. But mm-hmm. I feel like acting for me is better mm-hmm. because I know that's something that I'm good at and I look to be great at. Um, so I try to stay in my lane. But every now and then, I will come out and spit a verse or or something, you know, because I, I love music. I love you know just to just to feel people, you know. Looking at you and they vibing with you, so yeah. you know, especially like rapping to the ladies and I'm like oh, LL Cool J, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, like watch out, girl, you like. And I'm alone in my room, sometimes <laughs> staring. You know. <laughs> but now let me ask you: Did uh, did, did rapping inspire the uh, poetry book? Yeah, because um, I used to, I started writing poetry, and you know, everybody knows 
rapping is a, is a form of poetry. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel like if I had words that I could speak right down on paper, then it's easier for me to deliver verses and, and lines and everything like that. So, you know, the poetry was just, you know, it was it, it opened me up because I first um, started po- writing poetry uh, when I lost my cousin. And I um and it just it just was a way for me to to let out you know what I'm feeling and I think that's something people should do you should write down what you're feeling because it will leave you at the end end of the day. Yep. Well, you are a music manager by age 19. Yeah. That's whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've created you've creatively assisted a number of big artists. You've assisted Tank and Jay Z. Like, what are some of the things that you've done for them? Well, let's 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 not go there. Um, I didn't <laughs> I didn't assist them. Is I was try, trying to have them assist my my artists, but um, I had one of my um, uh, uh, well, he was already did it before, but an artist um, he um, rapped for Jay Z at uh, my um, my high school, and um, Jay Z took notice to him, and then Tank was um, a judge at one of these concerts um, that I had an artist performing at, and he you know he gave him some words of wisdom, and you know Tank's a good friend of mine, he's from DC, um, so pretty much it's just. I just try to put these artists in front of people that they normally wouldn't be able to. So if I heard, like, Jay-Z's going to be at the late, uh, rec- um, studio or um, radio station, I would go take the artist. Come on. Where you at? Come on. Let's go there. And I would have them rap for them, sing for them, or whatever I could do just to give them that exposure. Mm-hmm. And I think people really took took that. Um, it's like, man, this guy's really, really on it. He wants it. You know, I had to shut one person down. They was treating me like a groupie. I'm like, listen, I'm not a groupie, man. I'm not here. I'm here to try to get my artists in this door. I'm not, you know, this is about business. And now to this day, they respect me because they like, man, he came correct with it. And mm-hmm. you know. Well, going back just a second to your um, when you were rapping in Pakistan, how late did it take? How long did it take for U.S. music to get over, like new music from the U.S. to get over there? Uh, <clears throat> hmm. I'm not really sure, but I think it was kind of it wasn't that delayed because, you know, a lot of stuff. You know, they get around the same time. They'll, a lot of people will come become um, here at first over there, then to, for, before the U.S. Like you'll see a lot of a lot of artists that have made it overseas first before the U.S. get mm-hmm. it. So it just depends on this, the time. Maybe now mm-hmm. it's now you like everyone gets it at the same time. It's internet. Get online. So yeah. um, I wasn't really in tune with that per se, um, but I'm sure it got it at the same time. You know, yeah. U.S. If not a little later. Okay. Well, you uh, you also did a, a public service announcement. Right, like, and that was kind of like your little door into acting. So, like, was was acting a fluke, or was you kind of like maybe it, there's it, more to this? It was, I like I said, I, I would say I slipped and tripped and fell in it um, <laughs> because it was like I was at a modeling agency at the time because I was modeling, and um, they had me audition for a PSA and about underage drinking, mm. and I just went in there and I just knocked it out, and I just took it like I'm given an opportunity, so I'm gonna go in there and do my best. And I went in there and I got the part and I was like, man, okay, maybe this is my sign. Mm. But I had artists at the time, so I was like, I don't want to do this. They was like, yeah. nah, go ahead, do it, do it. You know, because if you you make it, we gonna follow behind you. So I was like, all right, cool. And then you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead, but it led to other things, other acting, uh, other things. So you know, it was just like I know that it wasn't a fluke anymore. I feel like it was a God, you know, God's gift to me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, uh, you auditioned 14 times <laughs> before landing the uh, before landing a role in your favorite show, which was yes. The Wire. Yes. Right. Yes. So you know, unlike the PSA where you just got that, this right. one you really had to work for. Yes. Now, were there times that you know, like maybe on like I don't know, the seventh audition, where you're like, you know, maybe <laughs> let me just let me just stop. I was like, man, if they if they call me one more time, I'm say no, I ain't going because <laughs> it was a long ride. You know, yeah. it was like from DC to Baltimore. That's a long ride, and I had to keep leaving work. And I'm like, you know what, man, they call me one more time, I'm not going. I'm, I'm like, they call me every time they call me. I was like, okay, all right, 
you know, but it just it just was kind of something where something that you really want. Mm-hmm. It's like how bad are you willing to to fight for it? Mm-hmm. So that was a test test for me to to keep pushing. Okay, it was something they saw for me to even get a call back to to be called back again. So I had to look at that as a blessing and not really a hindrance. So I'm like, okay, you know what? They they give me the seventh time, ten time. Okay, 13 time. I'm like, okay, all right, man. What what do I need to do? Do I, you know, what's going on? And then it was just like after that moment, after that 14 time, and uh, they, um, it was like the, that was a callback, and pretty much a callback is when you're in front of producers, directors, mm-hmm. or whoever, you know, th- they want to see what the cast director saw. So the cast director was like, just do, just do what you did before, because the day be- that um, audition, I was like, this is my role. I said, this is my role. This is my part. Mm-hmm. I dressed the part. I said, this is my role. Bernard's me. So I went in there um, second time around and did it, and I got the, I was at work at the um, cafeteria, and I got the call. They was like, you got the part. You would have thought I won a lot. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. It was like, look. I was like, yo, I got the part in the wire. It's like, whatever. You ain't get the part in the wire. I was like, I did. I did. So, But people didn't believe me until they saw me. So yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. well, and then, so like, do, you, do you feel that that kind of persistence is a testament to your work ethic? Yeah, man. You have to stay persistent. And um, I just think if I, if I didn't, I don't want to be where I'm at now. And, mm. you know, people know me for that and they respect me. They call me a hustler. Um, and one guy called me Marvel the Sniper because I said, <laughs> why you call me the Sniper? He said, man, because whatever you got your, your, ta- your target on, you go out and get it. And I was like, man. That was real because I was like, yeah. man, why you keep, why you call me Marvel the, the DC? Right. I'm like, that's not a compliment. But I said, why are you calling me that? And you know, he had people calling me Malvo. I'm like, no, my name is Melvin. Mm. Um, but he's like, yeah, man, you just you just focus and whatever you got your eye on, you you get that target. I'm like, wow, that's deep, you know. So there it is. Well, you also had a recurring role as a bully on the hit show Everybody Hates Chris. Yes. Uh, and for the series finale, Chris Rock actually directed that episode. Right. And you've said um, in the past that it kind of took you back and reminded you of your days when you were entertaining in Turkey and Pakistan. What was it about that moment that took you back to those memories? Well, just, you know, just, well, just being a kid and just having fun. I, I just saw those kids on set and I'm like, man, they don't understand how blessed they are right now. They're on a hit TV show with Chris Rock behind it and uh, on a great network. And it was just like, man, like, I wish as a kid I was able to live what they're living. They don't, mm-hmm. I don't think they understand. They may understand now, but I don't think they understand that moment. And um, just to get that direction from Chris Rock, um, you know, it was just a blessing because, you know, the, he was like, hey, man, I want you, when you do beating them up, I want you to eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, it's just, some, <laughs> some st- <laughs> just out the blue. And it was just like, man, okay, all right. So, that worked. And then that scene, you just like, man, you don't do whatever they eat. It's peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, dang, he get beat up and getting the money. But um, it was just a blessing because the thing is, is that um, I originally, originally went in for a different role. But um, I didn't get that role. But they, they liked me so much that they still like, you know, we're going to get you get you in. And one of the executive producers told me, he was like, man, don't worry about it. We know who you are. So um, we're gonna. that's why we called you. And we can just throw, get your name out of a hat. Um, so I was like, man, that's that. That was a blessing to come from mm-hmm. from him. Mm-hmm. Just then, the people respect what you do, and right. a lot of people are fans of the Wire. They're like, man, yeah, you was on the Wire, this and that. So you know, and now that show still comes on the Wire, and everybody's yep. Chris and checks still coming yep. in, and it's like, okay, residual <laughs> check, you know. Um, but it's just a blessing when people are like, hey, man, I just saw you on TV, and you know, it's it's just a great feeling to have. And I just think those kids are very blessed, and I think they're reaping the benefits of hard work, you know, and their parents, yeah. you know, did a great job. Awesome. Yeah. Well, people are going to be able to see say that again. I'm seeing you on TV <laughs> with this new show, Family Still Matters. Yes. All right. So tell us about your role on the show. Well, my role is um, I name um, role is Donald of Donald, and he's kind of the 
the uppity type, and he talks like this. Yeah, so um, um, he's all real proper with it. Like, how you mm. doing? My name is Donald, and, you know, he, he's one of those. He's not like a Steve Urkel kind of, but he's the modern day. Mm. Um, you know, those guys who kind of have to portray a certain instance to be around different people and uh, feel like they're they're on their level. Um, and he has a son that he has to raise, and um, he, he's the single father. You know, his wife died of, of cancer. And he's just pretty much the the he's the <clears throat> entertainment of the show a little bit between him and his son, and he kind of does the same thing Steve Urkel does show up at at the the um, Garrett's house and without knocking on the, you know knocking on the door or ringing the door, but he just walks in and the guy's like you know you can get shot right he's just walking <laughs> up in my house like that and he's like what's going on violence never stopped nothing and so uh, he's just, he's just one of those those guys that just you know he he brings reality to to TV in a sense to where you know. Um, and I think you'll see a lot with his character and different av- av- avenues that he goes to. And, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of fun on the show, you know. That's good. So what, what drew you to this show? What drew me to the show was um, uh, we were out at an event, and I was introduced to the executive producer of the show. And I kept hearing about it. I'm like, oh, they bringing, like, family matters back. Oh, okay, I'd be interested. Mm. So I just said to him, like, hey, when can I audition? He's like, what you doing tomorrow? I said, meeting with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in there and I auditioned for one role. And he was like, nah. He said, you good. I know you could do this role. People seen this before. But I want you to, I got this other role for you, Donald. And, I, mm. you know, I don't think people will ever see you, you know, with glasses on, kind of geeked up. And, you know, in a different role, I think this yeah. could do, do great, num- you know, great, something great for your career. And I was like, oh, I'm down with it. So I did it and I improv And he was like, oh, I love it. You know, so it went from there to them to ask me to be a writer on the show and then ask me to be a producer on the show. So it was just all these things started happening. I'm like, wow, man, okay, everything happens kind of fast, but I'm, I'm with it. So now, you know, going from just being an actor on the show is different, you know. Mm-hmm. Now writing and, you know, now producing where the actors are calling you and saying, hey, when we shooting, it's, it's different for me because mm-hmm. I'm knowing me like, hey, when we shooting, that's yeah. all I need to worry about. When we, <laughs> let me know my dates and I'm shooting now. It's more, yeah. you know, and I think people really understand like what it takes to put together a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. You know, this is my, my first situation. You know, I've been producing on several other projects, but nothing of this magnitude, you know, where you got TBS involved and you got other actors and, mm-hmm. you know, we're bringing on T.O., we're bringing on Erica Hubbard and, you know, Vivica Fox is going to make an appearance, you know, sometime in the, um, down the line. And, you know, you got all these people in play and you're like, man, they're looking at you like, what's next? Yeah. I'm you know, just the actor now. I'm, <laughs> I've got to be the actor, the writer and producer. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it can be tough, mm. but I know what I can handle. And, you know, it's nothing that, you know, that I can't put on my shoulders that I can't carry, you know. There you go. Well, since since, since you're a writer and producer on, on the show, if you want to write me in, the, you know, be, be, yeah, be like, <laughs> no man, big we, deal. Yeah, yeah we have two extra roles. Yeah, just, you know, yeah, just, yeah I'm, right, I'm writing my last episode to, to, um, now. So, you know, I got I got people, you know, you got, yeah, couple, yeah. We got a couple roles in there. You, yeah, you know, yeah. you might have you uh, cut your face so you can be a high school student, you know what I mean? <laughs> just, just, you know, right. string a little bit like Martin was and she put the shoes on Roscoe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Walk us through your audition process for, for, for this uh, show. Um, well, pretty much, like I said, I went in there. Um, it was him, executive producer, his his uh, partner and then the the person that the show is actually about his him and his his family. Mm. So I went in there and um they just told me they I didn't even ha- yeah, I don't even have I didn't even have this, the lines yet. So I I like cold reading and what cold reading is is when you get um a piece of paper and you I mean the lines or whatever and you kind of go to yourself a little bit, you go over it, try to memorize as much as you can and then you go and do it and that's what I, I did and I um went in there, nailed it. It was like they gave me directions said do it this way, did it that way, killed mm-hmm. it. Um and then he was like, that's when he was like, man, I want you to um, try this other role, Donald. 
and he gave me gave me what to do. He said do that, and same thing happened. He uh, did a great. He's like, all right, put the paper down, improvise. So we just went in there, improvised, and it was pretty much you know where I'm going in there telling telling the son like, hey, I heard you cheating on the test and this and that. He was like, nah, I ain't cheating on the test unless somebody cheat on me. That's a difference, you know. <laughs> I'm like, well, no, son, you can't allow someone to you know to mess up your career. You know, I mean, you mess up your education. He's like, damn, I'm not. You're tripping. You're bugging. Like, listen, huh? We use proper English in here. We don't use what's up and bugging and all that stuff. He's like, dad, can I get back to my bugging? Uh, yeah, he's like, can I get, can I get back to Disney? Uh, what I'm watching? He said, what are you watching? Discovery Channel. He said, why didn't you tell me, son? Come on, <laughs> come on, take a seat. So it's like. <laughs> you know, just has though though that that feel where he's like, man, I just want he's like, I want you to just improv, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I I like to sometimes stick to the script, you know. And but improv is a beautiful thing when you ever do that, you know. Yeah. And and so, what do you really want people to take away from your your character Donald and and from the show Family Still Matters? I want people to like with Donald as uh, and this is the good thing as a writer, I can write stuff for myself mm. um, that you know probably writers probably would be a little. Um, I don't know. You just be careful when you sometimes you write. Like like on the show, I have a, a love interest that is not a, of African American descent, so that may raise a red flag. Yeah. But as a writer, you sometimes you have to go against the grain. And I think this is 2014, mm. and this this guy is mourning from situation that he's gone through. So I think that if people are watching the show for that, then they're watching for the wrong reasons. And I just want them to go um, away with like guys that. Or maybe not as good looking, or maybe you know, I want to say geeky, but kind of you know, not the popular. Still have a chance with a beautiful woman like what Donald's gonna you know end up with, and just know that you know he's a human being, but mm-hmm. he he also has flaws too, and you're gonna find out other things about Donald that it's like wow, he's been fronting all this time in a sense, and you know, I just think that layers will be, you'll see different layers of him, and and people will be able to you know, because with Erica, you only could look at him in one instance, like. He's funny, geeky, whatever. But with Donald, I think I want him to have different layers. Where you're gonna mm. see him funny, you're gonna see him sad, you're gonna see him in different avenues to where he's just not this one individual and just not the you know the laughing stock of the show or whatever. But um, I think when I want people to walk away with the show is just knowing that family still matters. That that's number one. We don't half of us don't eat together anymore as a family. We don't pray, you know, pray. And mm. in these shows, we have them seeing prayers a lot of times in the show, just to show people that religions is very important. You mm. know, whether whatever religion it is, and just knowing like you know, family's gonna go through things, but at the end of the day, when they come together as a family. It just shows like how strong that family is because it's families that don't talk, they don't like each other. Right. Yeah. But we're gonna deal with real issues. We're not gonna just sugarcoat it. Oh, they're just a happy-go-lucky family. No, they're gonna be some things. that's like, man, kids gonna get arrested. Father gonna be like one. You know, he gonna. One, it's one episode where the father happens to detain a um, guy. He's wrestling with a naked guy, and they got it on YouTube. And they like, wow. So that's the the highlight of the, of the dinner table. Um, so it's just gonna be dealing with different issues, uh, real issues, mm-hmm. um, bullying. You know, um, homosexuality, everything. You know, mm. I, I don't. I don't think there should be anything that we don't touch on. Hmm. I want to watch now. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So the show is inspired by the classic '90s show, Family right. Matters. Right. You guys have the Harriet Winslow, yes. who's going to be uh, appearing on there. Is this nostalgic for you at all? Yes, um, it, it's, it's definitely it's excitement. She's a she's a joy. Like I talk to her all the time, and she's just excited about the show. And just she has a voice that no one can imitate, you know. Yeah. So when I'm writing for her, I'm writing in her voice, and just the way she would say certain things that no one can do that. And you know, she's taking on Grandma Ida, and Grandma Ida is just like, man, she just say whatever. She calling the little boy big head and waterhead <laughs> jughead, and she just doing her. And you know, it's just a blessing when you're able to, you know, 
be able to carry on something that that was you know happened in the nineties and it's still on now, you know. But it's not like we don't want to say a spinoff, but we're gonna say a continuation because no one can ever duplicate Family Matters, you know. Right. But we what we want to do is in two thousand fourteen and show that you know this family matters. It still matters right now mm-hmm. and to this day, and that uh, we're gonna ha- even have some of the old cast come back. You're gonna see the father, um, Reginald. Um, he's gonna be coming on. Um, you might even you're gonna see uh, Kelly, who played Alora Winslow, and you know some other people. And it's just a blessing when people are like excited about the show. Mm-hmm. Like when I tell people, like, "Oh man, that's a great idea." Oh, like they like, "Why did I think of that?" You yeah. know. And um, people are just excited about you know the possibilities of what it could be. And we're gonna definitely try to make TV history. Um, and Tyler Perry left a, left a left a void at TBS, so we're trying to fill that void and you right. know and bring back black TV. You know, bring that '90s feel back. You know, got it. Oh, so you uh, you also start as was it Rem One or Ramon? Ramon, right in the film Five K One with Clifton Powell and AJ Johnson. Yes, right. So what was it like working with these veteran actors? I was a <laughs> it was a blessing, man. Uh, Clifton Powell was just hilarious. You know, he's from DC too, so it was just a blessing to work with him. You know, I've seen him around a couple of times, and um, it was just a, a blessing to work with those guys. And AJ Johnson was just hilarious all yeah. the time. Um, and it was just it was a blessing with that whole situation because, like I said, back to the whole business thing. I feel like if I didn't let people know who I was, you know, as an actor, as a business person, that I probably wouldn't have got that role because that role came by by two different people. Uh, I was introduced to a director um, who introduced who told this to people about me uh, for the movie. So that I didn't even have to audition. Like they saw my stuff on the wire, and they was like, "Okay, cool." And that was my first uh, leading role. And they put me on the cover of the of the um, DVD, and I became like a, a superstar in Detroit. Like people loved me, and it was like, "Wow!" Like it, it kind of was a rude awakening for me. I'm like, "Okay, this could happen in Hollywood. It just have to happen in different cities." Yeah. But um, it was one of those things that when people love that that movie, and it was just like a street classic, you know, yeah. kind of like uh, what was the uh, what was the movie with uh, Wood Harris and the camera and all that? Oh yeah, uh, uh, see, I I forget, but I know exactly wow. what you're talking about. I know yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I know, so yeah, so. <laughs> a good a good hood <laughs> classic, right? Well, your company, Urban Vision Entertainment, has produced a series of videos and skits, and most recently you've come up with a Scandal skit. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I love Scandal, and uh, I know a lot of people that love the show, and it was just paying homage to the show where um, a friend of mine came up with an idea. She wanted me to do, like, on, you know, stages, more stand-up, and I was like, it's kind of long. Let me, you know, I'll write it as a skit. So what it was is that, you know, a guy overhears his girlfriend on the phone, Talking about you know some rendezvous she has every Thursday. This this guy is just just doing so much to her. She hasn't you know had had this done to her in a long time. And he's like, man, I was, she said I was the best, and he's thinking that she's talking about some a guy that she's cheating on or whatever. So he's like, you know, and I'm like every Thursday, she know that's my night out with the guys after playing watching football. So I'm like, I'm catching the act. So when I come, I bust in the room, and I'm like, hey, well, you know, where where he at? She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, where's he at? I'm looking in the bed and everything. I'm like, the dude that you've been cheating on me with for three years. She's like, why ain't nobody cheating on you? She's like, I'm talking about Scandal, the president on the show. <laughs> you know, so I'm looking at the TV. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling dumb. I'm like, oh, babe, I'm sorry. I didn't think that you would cheat on me. She's like, that's what you get for eavesdropping. But it's good to know you still, you know, you, you, I love to see when you're jealous. And so it was just one of those things. It's just, you know, sometimes you, you eavesdrop and you overhear things yeah. that, that ain't your business and you assume the worst. And you're like, man, because women love Scandal. They love the president. Oh, yeah. And, and like, so does Nick. 
<laughs> so, I am a new scandal fan. So, so when it comes the way the way it's shot and the way like I directed it, I wrote it, I produced it, I'm in it, um, and it's just the way it's shot. You, you when it comes on, it's just like scandal, mm-hmm. and it was just a blessing to do that. That was one of my my first project, you know, that I completely did everything, you know, and it was just you know blessing. So very funny. And the uh, the movie is paid in full. Yeah, they look, look, he's like, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, no, let me let me he's look like, it up because I yeah I, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so you're also a stand up comedian, yes, right? And so how is uh, you know doing stand up different from from acting? Uh, it, it's it's pressure, you know. Um, you're gonna have your good nights, you're gonna have your bad nights, yep. And it's all about your audience. You gotta know your audience, and every joke doesn't work for every audience. So I had to learn. Um, I had to learn some things. Um, you know, I, I haven't got. I didn't get. Never got booed. But it was close. <laughs> you know, it was quiet. It was very cr- yeah. cr- it was very crickety, crickety yeah. in there. And I was like, whoa. I was like, ah, I started sweating. Um, so it's very different from acting. So acting, I know, you know, you say your lines, boom, boom, boom. Stand up, you have to, you know, it's just, like say somebody who's having a bad day may, may affect the whole audience. Because if they, mm. they throwing you off, you're looking at them and they, you're trying to make them laugh. But that's not the right person you should be looking at because they're not going to laugh. They're not going to break. So um, I just... I had to um, do different things. Like at the end of my show, I always say I wanted to be a, a, a musician, an artist, a sing. So I'll play like some music slow, and I'll just start uh, either lip singing or I'll, I'll just start saying something. But I'll look at the ladies, and I, that's like my show, my little genuine special for the ladies. <laughs> so I just try to add something different, different flavor to comedy, and I call myself the bad boy comedy, you know. And women like they always, my friends always say, "All right, okay, you doing karaoke? Keep your shirt on there. Keep your shirt on because I'm always coming out my shirt, you know. <laughs> Get my Bobby Brown on, you know. Don't be cruel." <laughs> Hilarious. Well, before we wrap up, we just want to give you a little bit of an opportunity to kind of tell us what else we can look forward to. We're really looking forward to Family Still Matters, but what other projects are you working on? Just a little brag moment for okay. you. Well, we're also working on a TV show called Internal Affairs, and it's like The Wire, The Shield, and Law and Order wrapped in one. And it's a cop drama. Um, and I'm also, uh, I wrote a, and I'm producing a TV, a TV movie called Sex Lives and Things That Women Go Through, which I hope to have on Lifetime. And it's definitely a, a movie that uh, for women. I wrote it for women, about women, things that they go through, um, and all and them coming together as one um, to help each other through their issues. And I just, I'm very, I'm a, I'm an advocate for for relationships, mm-hmm. for for helping women through issues because you know I was married for ten years, and I have a lot that I can help our men um, understand about women. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I knew these things that I know now, I'd probably still be married. So. Uh, <laughs> But it, it's just, you know, I just, I, I want people just to know me as not just an actor, entertainer, but also as a person. And I try to just be real with different things. And, you know, like I say, as a brand, I, I come, I'm doing, trying to do speaking engagement with kids and just, just be positive. You know, mm-hmm. have my website, MelvinJacksonJr.com, doing a bunch of stuff, you know, just trying to stay positive. Well, good That's luck good. on all that. Congratulations on everything you have going on. Tell us where we can find you online, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter is Melvin Jackson Jr. Instagram is Melvin Jackson Jr. MelvinJacksonJr.com. No, hard to find. Man, I don't know I if I can brand. remember that. I know, it's my brand. I, I got to look, I introduced myself, Melvin Jackson Jr. Got to remember the JR. <laughs> Nick Purdue, where can we find you? Uh, all of the internet, guys. Melvin Jackson Jr. No, um, <laughs> at the Nick Purdue. And find me on Twitter at Melvin Jackson. No. <laughs> Are you related to Purdue Chicken? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Find me online at I am Jessica King. Thanks for joining us, guys. Until next time, bye.
from producers Maria Menunos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.